Um, thank you, Erica. I sound good. Thank you. <laughs> If I could afford to pay you, you'd be my publicist. <laughs> but, um, okay. <laughs> I could say a lot of things about my life growing up, but the one thing that always stands out is that I never felt beautiful. I was the middle child. The only one of the three who was born with a connective tissue disorder. So I quickly learned that I was the different one. My condition made me taller than other kids my age. No kidding, right? No, I know that in every bunch of kids, there's the early bloomer, you know, the one that is more physically developed early on. So let me put this in perspective. By the time I was eight, I was 5'7". By the time I was 10, I was 5'9". To top it all off, I was really skinny, again, Real shocker, right? And I wore glasses that could give Steve Urkel some serious competition. <laughs> that really wasn't a good look for a girl, but back then we didn't have the small frames that are around these days. So I had to take what I could get. Now, it made me stand out, obviously. And it made for some awkward moments. I was teased so often that I was shocked when I wasn't teased, and boys were meaner to me than girls were most of the time. I remember a few incidents that stood out and made me feel hideous. The summer I turned 11, I was about to start a new school in September, so I went on a joint trip to a neighboring Caribbean island with my old school, and while I was there, two older boys told me one night that I would never make any friends at my new school because of how I looked. And then they laughed at me. I pretended to shrug it off like I didn't care, but it really, really hurt. Then there were the three older boys when I got to secondary school who would surround me every morning while I waited for my classroom doors to open. And they would tell me just so ugly I was for any and everybody to hear, and nobody said or did anything. And of course, there was the girl in my sister's class who said if she had a sister who looked like me, she would never tell anybody. She even knew me, furthermore, was related to me. All of these things, you know, they shaped my early view of myself and my body. And I used to walk around all hunched over, feeling, you know, looking as defeated as I felt. I couldn't stand to look at myself in the mirror, and I hated the way I looked in pictures. I thought the person that was looking back at me was not attractive at all. I spent so much of that time wishing that I was shorter and prettier, even light-skinned. I couldn't figure out how to get any of those things done. And I had to live with myself. And it just, it just made things so messed up. I was so messed up that even later on, when guys did start to notice me, I told myself it wasn't real. They had to be out for something. Still, I went on a few dates here and there, yeah. And I didn't really have, well, I had my first real adult relationship when I was 26. 
He told me I was beautiful. He also told me he was faithful. <laughs> then we could pretty much guess how that went. So then I had a whole host of other issues to deal with from that one. I found pictures of one of the women he cheated on me with on one of his devices. Gotta love those devices. And she was short and light-skinned. And I compared them to my pictures, and I remember crying that night because all my old insecurities just resurfaced with a vengeance. I mean, I'd forgiven him for the one time I knew about that he cheated on me, and I'd taken him back, but this time was different. And that difference was my five-month-old daughter. I kept thinking about her and what I would be teaching her by staying in this situation. And quite frankly, if a man had treated her the way her father treated me, I wouldn't expect her to take it. So yeah, I broke up with him, but the one thing I remember thinking was that I really hated my pictures. So fast forward to a few months later, I woke up one morning to a total blur. I'd lost the sight in my left eye to retinal detachment and glaucoma several years earlier, but I still had my trusty right eye. Even though I had surgery on that, I could still see really, really well. Well, all of that changed on the morning of August 13, 2010. Every blind person will always remember <laughs> the day that it happened. When my eye pressure skyrocketed to 57, um, normal range is like 8, maybe 10 to like 16. So you can imagine it just skyrocketed. I had three bad surgeries in two months, during one of which the anesthesia wore off. When I told the surgeon... He told me that he'd used all the freezing eye drops that he had, and I'd have to bear with it until he was finished. I think that's when I started to realize how badly this was going to turn out. When I got back to the ward, the head nurse who'd been with me in the operating theater told the other nurses, get her some morphine stat, and told them what had happened. After several painful days, nine months of badly reduced vision and scarring because of all this, and a year I spent in Canada with a specialist trying to save my sight, I finally had to accept that nothing could be done. I was going to be blind for the rest of my life. I, I can't tell you what it's like to be hit with that realization. While I was on the phone with my mother, from I was in Canada and she was back in Barbados, she said to me, I pray that I can do something for you because you're nothing without your sight. I didn't want or need to hear that at that moment, but it stuck with me because that was how I felt, like nothing. I had spent so much time griping about how my pictures look. <laughs> no, what I wouldn't have given to be able to see those same pictures or to be able to see anything. Honestly, I didn't think there could be anything worse than feeling ugly, like I always had, but I was wrong, because feeling worthless is a lot worse. This is such an image-based world, and I don't need to tell anybody here that blind women are exactly considered a hot commodity in the eyes of the world. 
I used to lie around looking like I don't know what. The word hasn't even been invented. I couldn't see the point in caring about how I look. Nobody treated me like a person anymore anyway. I mean, people started talking about me in the third person, even when they were right in front of me, as if I couldn't hear. Or what about the people who were so uncomfortable to be around me that they couldn't even look at me or sit close to me for fear of catching the blindness? Yeah, somebody called the CDC and let them know about the new threat out there. And I better not sneeze. Be careful. <laughs> it made me feel horrible. On a rare occasion that I would go shopping with a friend, the store attendants would act all surprised if I expressed interest in buying something. Why on earth would a blind person want to buy clothes? It, it just it baffles the mind, right? My best friend, bless her heart, was the one person besides my daughter who never let me forget who I was. She kept encouraging me to not let myself go. Keep up with fashion, Adira. She told me I was blind, not dead. And when I started to think about it, right, even dead people get dressed up, right? So, why not? As for my daughter, she just wanted the hands that were feeding her from the beginning to keep right on feeding her. She couldn't care less that I was blind. She was two and a half when I came back from Canada, and when she realized that I couldn't see, she started taking my hands and putting them on everything, including the pictures she drew, as if my hands could see them. She still does that to this day. So. But yeah, she took my hands and put them on the pots and on the stove too, and it didn't take me long to get the hint. She didn't want anybody to replace me in that regard. And I imagine if she could have written me a note back then, it would have gone something like, Dear blind lady, I'm sorry you can't see. And I'm sorry you're sad. I feel sad sometimes too. But patience is on my strong suit right now. So please get over yourself and get back to being my mother slash chef. P.S. I haven't had shepherd's pie in a long time. She tells me those things. <laughs> so yeah, it was a light bulb moment for me, though. I spent so much of my life hating my body and feeling ugly and awkward and different. Now I had to start all over again. So I decided to do things differently. I started telling myself that I was attractive. Yeah, I still had a lot of negativity around me, but I started to tell myself that I was attractive. I just started to stick. I started to appreciate myself more. I mean, I am still a person. I started to appreciate my height. I mean, I'm tall, yes. Live with it. I'm good. I started to appreciate the fact that I have long fingers and I was teased. You know, I was teased at school. They call me witch fingers. They come in handy these days. Thank you. <laughs> and it really helped that, you know, I, had, I did have the encouragement of, of my daughter, as I said, I'm my best friend. I started to say, well, okay. I can't see, 
but there are other things that I can do, you know. I think I have a pretty good figure. I, 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 look, I think I look okay. And thank you, thank you. And even though I can't see my smile, I appreciate it so much more now than I ever did when I could see. I like to change my hairstyle on a whim too. And there's a backstory to that. So, my <laughs> so due to an unfortunate but thankfully temporary scalp issue, I had to cut off my daughter's hair. I knew she would feel self-conscious about that, but I didn't want her to have all the self-image and self-esteem issues that I had. So I decided not to let her go it alone. In true mummy fashion, I cut my own hair off. And that was an experience. But it taught her and me that we could rock whatever style we want to. And I still do. You know how they always they say out there, there's an app for everything? Well, I have a saying in my life, there's a wig for everything. Yeah, I gotta try, you gotta try to find the positive in everything. I mean, I used to wanna stop traffic. I stop traffic now. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Maybe not in the way I hope. And if you wanna nitpick, yeah, it might be because of my cane. But it doesn't stop me from feeling like a supermodel when I'm crossing the street. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I got my. I got my soundtrack playing in my mind and everything, walking across the street, yeah. All hail the queen, you know, you gotta stop. <laughs> but yeah, who says that a blind person can't be fashionable or stylish? It's just my eyes don't work. They just don't work, but you know what? I don't physically see people, but I see auras. So I don't judge you on your size or your color or your body art or your scars or the fact that you walk with a limp. I couldn't care less. And that's the truth. Yeah, it took me a while, but isn't it funny that it took losing my sight for me to really see myself? I mean, maybe if we could try to see each other that way without the physical stuff getting in front of us and blocking our true vision, maybe we see things differently. You might find out that that person you summed up with your physical eyes at first glance isn't who you thought they were. And I like to think that now that you heard me talk a little bit, maybe your original impression of blind people might be a little different. But I'm going to end off by introducing myself, how I feel about myself now, so... Hi, I'm Nadira, I'm blind, and I'm still fabulous. <laughs>